life eternal. Our Lord, knowing that within 24 hours, he would be in a tomb in his mortal trials at an end, addressed his father in prayer and in the hearing of the 11 disciples who remained after the departure of Judas. This was therefore not a strictly private prayer to the Father, such as the one uttered later in the garden, but a prayer for the benefit of his disciples of all ages, who should have the understanding to discern the message that is sublime prayer contained. This prayer is therefore for our hearing and instruction. If we, to use our Lord's own words, have ears to hear. This prayer recorded in John's 17th chapter and heard only superficially by his disciples was aimed specifically at their enlightened enlightenment concerning the momentous significance of what was about to happen. Also, it might have let them learn of Jesus' loving concern for them expressed in his request of the, fathers, of the Father on their behalf. He knew that his flock would soon scatter, as the prophet Zechariah had foretold. But he knew also that after their period of terror and confusion had passed, they would recall and add from the promised comforter, the Holy Spirit, the transcendent meaning of what Jesus was then telling them. After addressing his Father, expressing full assurance that the Father would soon fulfill for him his promises of the glory contained in the Father's holy word, Jesus stated a most fundamental and momentous truth, the truth holding the greatest of promises for mankind, was stated in the very simplest of terms, namely, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Let us consider the implications of this simple but profound statement, eternal life, which before the resurrection of Jesus had never been granted to any human, human being, was to be made possible to mankind, but only to those capable of fulfilling a specific condition. That the condition is that anyone desiring, desiring eternal life must know the only true God and the Son whom he had sent to teach the world righteousness and to offer the sacrifice necessary for making eternal life possible to anyone. Jesus did not say that the eternal life would be available as a result of merely knowing about God and his Son. There is a significant difference between knowing about someone and truly knowing that individual. There exists in the world much knowledge about God and about Christ. 
that is readily available in Bibles and elsewhere the world over. Yet, that degree of knowledge can be acquired without truly knowing either of them. Jesus had earlier pointed this out to Jewish rulers of his day by saying, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me. Who would, he, who would you say that he is your God? Yet ye have not known him. And if I say, if I should say, I know him and not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his sayings. From this it follows that those who really know God are those who keep his sayings and his commandments. Jesus said also much the same about anyone knowing and loving him. Actually, knowing someone requires knowing and understanding how the individual thinks. To an even greater extent, it, it is, is, it, is this true about really loving someone? You cannot truly love anyone whom you do not really know. How to go about really knowing God is not always understood. And it cannot be learned except through one's expenditure of considerable time and effort. God has revealed himself to mankind by telling us much about how he thinks. We can find this out by learning how God has responded in the past to situations that have arised. We can also learn about God's thinking from the commandments that he has given to his people, what in their behavior he approves and what meets with his disapproval, even his fierce wrath, what may be learned of him continually available to us through careful study of his holy word and by carefully consider, consideration of his works that we all may behold. It is written in the 145th Psalm. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. Thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of the kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majestic of his kingdom also in the same psalms. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in his works. The Lord is nigh to all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him is truth. But in his statement about eternal life, deriving from knowing God and his Son, Jesus added a further qualification. This qualification is missed by most of the world that calls itself Christian. Jesus said that they might know thee, the only true God, this clearly states that there is only one true God. But by qualifying it with the word true, he clearly implied that there must also be false gods. No more than superficial knowledge of geography and history of the world's population is required to establish this fact. Paul brings this out clearly in 1 Corinthians 8, 5, and 6. For, for though there be that all call gods, 
whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things, and we by him. Any other type of God or son of a God is completely outside of the life-saving gospel that Jesus and his apostles preached. This fact we must recognize as one of the cornerstones of Christadelphian doctrine. To us, the concept of only one true God is simple and clearly revealed in Scripture. But to most of of the so-called Christian world, it, it is a misunderstood. It is a mystery to them because they have been schooled in human philosophy, mystery. Men were not content to hold to a simple fundamental truth of the scriptures, but sought to make God's word harmonize with their human philosophies and superstitions, dreamed up by deluded and even wicked minds. They have fashioned for themselves a false god, a trained god, about which we find nothing in God's holy word. They have come up with a monastery for which they can give neither biblical proof nor logical explanation. They admit that it is a mystery that they cannot explain, yet they insist that it is one that anyone must accept as true to qualify for their so-called salvation that they have invented for themselves. Thus, instead of accepting the divine truth, that man was created in the image of God, they have attempted to fashion God in the image of man's imagination. They therefore cannot know the only true God of whom Jesus spoke, and life eternal cannot be available to them. In contrast to human tendencies, God has admonished mankind this time through the prophet Jeremiah. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that gloryeth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness, in the earth for in these things I delight saith the Lord this states very clearly that the almighty wishes people to understand him and to know him furthermore it tells us that he wants us to understand his character as revealed by the ways in which he acts and what he approves and rewards is it an occasion for any surprise that God should wish to be known for his goodness? Does not each one of us like to be respected for our good qualities and our good deeds? Conversely, we are deeply offended when others not merely ignore our good qualities and deeds, but even misrepresent them as coming from evil motives that they ascribed to us 
Such was the treatment at the hands of the three friends that was part of the suffering of Job. In the heavens declare the glory of God, Psalms 19. So also do the scriptures declare his loving kindness, his justice, and his righteousness in which he delights as we read from his words through Jeremiah. If the scriptures are the only source of knowledge of these perfect qualities of God, how else can we learn about them? Since God must, for our present survival, remain invisible to us. These divine qualities about which he delights to be known are not revealed in the heavens, and they are only dimly reflected in his care for his creatures. Really to know the only true God in Jesus Christ is to know them and how they think. From that, from what is revealed of them in the Holy Scriptures, there is no other source of such knowledge upon which our hope of eternal life can safely depend. Just as the good qualities of men can grossly misrepresented, so also can those of God. Our hope for life eternal can be tragically jeopardized by misrepresentation of God, of Christ, and God's holy word by those who claim to be their friends. Misrepresentation of God through attempting to judge his works and word according to human standards of right and wrong amounts to creating in the mind of false God and which is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thus, people generally have been kept from knowing the true, only true God. This may not be Primarily their own fault, but rather that of those who have in the past been trusted to guide them and whom, who have made merchandise of their hopes for salvation. They, as the Jewish rulers of Jesus' day, are very likely to experience God's fierce wrath. How then are we intelligently to go about learning to know the only true God of Jesus Christ whom he has sent. We could give a quick and very short answer by saying that it can be done by carefully studying the scriptures, but this is too short and an answer. As Jesus told his enemies, the Jewish rulers, he challenged them by saying, Search the scriptures, for in them they think ye have eternal life. And they... And they are they which testify of me. There are different ways of searching the scriptures. One, we may search them for what truly reveals and teach. Two, we may search them for what we wish to find and make them appear to say. Three, we may search them in hope of not finding evidence for what we wish to wish not to accept. This is what the Jewish rulers did. 
men have been carefully searching the scriptures for centuries in one of these ways or in other ways and have not come to know the only true God of Israel true God or the real Jesus Christ there has then to be not only a right way to seek to know God and Christ there has also to be a right attitude and purpose in the one doing the searching who we may ask has had a better attitude for seeking to know God than, than that manifested by the Lord himself he put things into proper perspective when he said come unto me all ye that labor are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light if we would be true disciples of our Lord we have have to adopt his attitude what we just quoted from his lips tells us what the attitude is he was meek and lowly in heart we need to understand that to be meek does not mean to be spineless or cowardly it means to be teachable otherwise we shall never come to the, to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent lowliness of heart such as Jesus rightly claimed for himself is what we today call true hum, hum, humility when we lack this vir, virtue the virtue relate, relatively rare among humans we are hardly teachable do we not only have experience of being irked when someone else tries to tell us what to do and and how to do it especially when the person as we say breathes down our necks this is the a gravitation born from wounded pride yet how common it is to all of us our freshly reaction is to refuse to be taught and the temptation is to do just the opposite so as to show the other person that he or she does not know anything that we, we do not know even Job fell victim to his temptation under the harassment provided by his three friends however it is possible for us to be taught a variety of things some of them good and some of them evil being of the human nature we can even at an early age more readily absorb the unfortunately re retrain evil things than those that are good it is thus very important that we be taught early to discern between that which is good and that which is evil moreover since we are usually most teachable when we are young and when we have less experience in discerning God's good from evil parents need to be extremely careful by limiting at best 
that they can they can the amount of evil that their children may learn. This is most effectively done by providing them with the finest example and behavior and the best instructions possible in that which is good and true. Later in life, we tend to get set in our ways and, it, and to become increasingly less teachable. If we have no earlier learn, learned to know the only true God and the true Jesus Christ, it therefore becomes increasingly difficult to learn. Not only this, but as we get older, our performing ability declines, and we find ourselves less able to perform at our former level or at the level of our younger and competing associates. This inspires fear in us, and we become more defensive in an effort to keep from losing that respect of others. This further tends to make us touchy or even downright irritable. It is hard hard to accept the fact that we are becoming obsolete in this competitive world, and we fear either for for the security of our jobs or for the loss of our esteem in which others may have held us for, for others to try to teach us is then too often restrained as we fear the loss of our cherished independence none of us have that problem do we hmm. I can tell you what to do you wouldn't have a problem with that huh and this over over weaning concern for our public image and our own self-image, we can draft, drift further away from our Lord and from our God, whose help we then need more desperately than ever before. The wise men wrote, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while in the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh. When thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. This is both divinely sound advice and a warning to, that too many of us care, carelessly ignore in our in, involvement in either our youthful careers or our family obligations. Ignore it if we will, but we shall later pay a heavy price for it. Our God and our Lord see and know every detail of our thinking and how much they figure in they figure in it however well we may hide it from our human associates god is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that sh- that shall he also reap for he that soweth to his flesh shall shall uh, the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Paul's phrase of sowing to the Spirit can be understood as the equivalent to getting to know the true God in Jesus Christ. Not merely about them, but to know them through first 
acquiring the humility to seek them upon their own expressed terms, not upon our own terms or in the ways in which most humans go about seeking them. We profess, we profess to be followers of the Lord. Have we, therefore, in imitation of him, become meek and lowly in heart? If so, we may find rest unto our souls through having the only true dependable friends and helpers. The world is presently crashing down around us. It and his princes will soon be unable to give us even the little help that they formerly could. We shall then be eternally on our own. Unless we have developed an intimate knowledge and trust that enable us to draw nigh unto the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he hath sent. James wrote, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Finally, our Lord himself followed the same course that is prescribed for us, as it is written. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ, who made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which he is above every name, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. He has already attained and unto eternal life. And we, in the process of doing so, is true imitation of him.